Today's episode of Grad School Confessional is brought to you by Cortisol. Cortisol, a natural part of grad school. Side effects may include bouts of anger, feelings of sadness and despair, uncontrollable sobbing, itching, scratching, fidgeting, loss of sleep, appetite, and or the will to carry on. You're listening to Grad School Confessional, a new podcast that explores the good, bad, and ugly of graduate school, directly from graduate students themselves. I'm your host, Dr. Yoa Sway. From awkward supervisor interactions to reviewer two horror stories to convincing your parents why grad school was a good idea, we read out the confessions of graduate students from all over and chat about the realities of pursuing higher education. I'd like to welcome back my co-host and second biggest fan, my wife Anna. Wait, I'm not your biggest fan? Uh, I mean, my friend Alicia really seems to like the podcast, so... Anna is a PhD candidate studying medical sociology, a field where whoa, researchers whoa, whoa, whoa. ask... No, 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 hold on, hold on, let's go back to the other thing. Where researchers ask, uh, do doctors have feelings? Um, the answer may surprise you. Babe? Uh, so conveniently, today's grad student confessions deal with stress. <laughs> what was the last thing that stressed you out about grad school? Oh my gosh! Didn't I just cry for an hour? Literally two days ago about yeah, grants. Yeah, you did. And you about did. how I'm not going to get any. And every year you tell yourself the same story that maybe this is the year you turn it all around. <laughs> I've done so much. You start like recounting all the things that you've done over you the years. You put year. it all in the CV and it actually doesn't look like a disaster. You're like, yeah, I've improved as a researcher and as a person. And you know what? I think that's what makes it hurt even more every year. <laughs> like I've applied for what? like eight grant cycles now every time it's like we regret to inform you why do you keep coming back yeah it's like an abusive relationship really at this point i think they have to give me a grant because they'll be like this is just pathetic oh no <laughs> it's like if there's like a consolation prize for grants it's like here you go just, just... i'll take it i'll take 30 percent of the actual grant as a consolation prize for yeah. like being tenacious you know, but every year you go back and you're just like, we'll do it this time. And Anyway, I feel like the last thing that stressed me out about grad school, or like, you know, just the academic sphere in general. Like the last email you got? Yeah. It's so much work. There's just always more you can do, and it never, it never ends. And you're rewarded for doing more. Like, the more sort of crap you can eat and just, like, put on your plate and just do the more you're rewarded for it. And it's just, yeah. I feel like we need a moment of silence <laughs> after that just to reflect and piece ourselves back together. Mm. It's too close to home. Oh, no. Moving oh, on. Well, All right. Let's talk about some other people's stress for a little bit. So jumping into our first story, we read the confession of both a new graduate student and a new mother, a double whammy. Ooh. She writes... I'd like to preface this by stating academia is my second career, and to this day, I haven't looked back on my decision. Going into graduate school as a new mother, I didn't have huge hesitations because hey, universities have family housing and daycares, don't they? Well, turns out the family housing doesn't allow dogs, and we've been on the university daycare list for two years already with no entry in sight. But now that we've figured out alternative housing and childcare situations, what I find myself pondering most is how a parent can balance a career in academia alongside precious time with their growing family. Or maybe the better question is, 
Can anyone have a successful career in academia if they choose to have a 40-hour work week and spend the other hours doing things for themselves? Going off-grid camping for a few weekends in a row, taking a three-week backpacking trip through South America, just doing activities in those other 128 hours per week that most full-time workers in other fields would do. I'd love more than many things to be a successful academic. I just need to figure out how and if that is possible within a 40-hour work week. Okay, a daycare waitlist for two years. Like, at that point, do they even need daycare? Like, for a two-year-old? Yeah. I'm pretty sure they're... I don't know my Piaget's stages of development, but I feel like at that point, can't babies just, like, feed themselves and, like, you know, do taxes and stuff? No, I'm pretty sure they can't. And I took, like, one and a half developmental psych courses, so... I consider myself somewhat of a, an expert. Yeah, kind of an authority, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay, I'm going to take your word for it. I had, like, two younger brothers um, and an immigrant family. You still have two younger brothers. Like, nothing bad happens. <laughs> They're, <laughs> They're fine. They're still there. They're, They're still thriving. There. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I definitely remember from a very young age, just, like, my parents, you know, my dad worked, and then my mom was still going to school, and we would just kind of hang out. Yeah, maybe you're not the best person to ask. Maybe I'm not the best person to ask with this. I turned out okay, though. Fine. Why are you looking at me like that? Anyway, I think this person raises a really good point though, is that it's already difficult enough to balance work and life within academia, even as a grad student. Like if your supervisor doesn't really have boundaries and like is willing to email mm -hmm. you on the weekend, you know, wants you to come in for meetings or take calls pretty much on a whim, like Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I know for a lot of people, like, our research has to do with other people. And then other um, graduate students work in labs. And because they don't get any actual vacation dates written mm -hmm. into their contracts, they're in lab feeding their rats or running their rats, like, on Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a fan of Christmas, but the alternative also sounds really depressing. Mm, yeah. I don't want to hang out with some rats. I don't know. Maybe you could give them, like, little presents. They just get drugs, mostly. <laughs> Sounds pretty sweet, actually. But yeah, no, definitely the different sources of conflict that really compete with things in your life, especially as a, as a parent, I would imagine, you know, like your child isn't exactly like a dog where we can just kind of leave the dogs at home and go and do things for three hours. You can't put a kid in a crate, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> Bottom line is, you cannot crate a child. Also, please, no one ever cover parenting advice to us. We have dogs. Well, we can, we can figure out what you shouldn't do. I think that's a start. Yeah, don't do not do what we do. Yeah, we I mean, dogs. we don't. Do you think we manage our work life well? No, it's terrible. Yeah. We're literally replying to emails and like, I'm writing my thesis on my weekend because that's the only time I have to do the main thing that my program is about, which is my thesis, because I have so much other stuff that I'm doing during the week that the only time I get to it is like, on the weekend or in the evenings. Mm-hmm. And I actually think you raise a really good point too, is with the thesis, a lot of people, I think, go into grad school with the expectation that the thesis is the main thing they'll be working <laughs> on. That's the biggest lie. <laughs> right? If you end up just working, like you said, on weekends on all these other side projects and all these other opportunities, and it really can encompass your life. And I think grad school will take more and more from you, and you kind of have to establish whether you'll let it or not and establishing those boundaries. Yeah, I think you reach a point where you draw a line in the sand and you're saying, okay, I'm not going to let this come over that line. I think mm -hmm. for us, that's 
you know, our dogs and our climbing. Mm -hmm. And as long as we get to do that, we're willing to respond to emails at 11 o'clock at night. But I think once it starts pushing into that territory, we'll be like, no, this is too much of our lives that we're, Mm -hmm. that we're giving Mm -hmm. away. And that's also a conversation that we have with each other, right? Like, I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. fortunate that you are also in the sort of academia (laughs) rat race. Or unfortunate. Or unfortunately. But, you know, we can talk about how much work we expect of each other and when that happens. You know, if your partner um, or your child is not in academia, setting those boundaries becomes even more important. Yeah. I mean, two-year-olds don't really get that you have a paper deal. Mm-hmm. Our next confession is a bit more serious. Fair warning, there is mention of the use of substances, so skip forward if this isn't your cup of tea. This grad student writes, During the first year of grad school, recreational use of substances, alcohol and marijuana specifically, turned into dependency. In my second year, I made my supervisor and the faculty aware of my issues, did not take a leave of absence, and was able to become abstinent from alcohol on December 6th, 2020. I was on track to achieve abstinence from marijuana in the same manner, that is to say, on my own and without a leave of absence, but had a mental breakdown at the end of January, leading me to seek inpatient rehabilitation for concurrent mental illness and substance abuse disorder. I went on a formal leave of absence for the entire winter semester, achieved sobriety that's been maintained, and am now working on a specific diagnosis of mental illness, if there is any outside of substance use, with health professionals. I've been transparent with my supervisor and the school throughout all of this, which has helped from the standpoint of external support and personal relief by being honest. I'm back to work on my thesis and hope to be complete by the end of the fall term. I wouldn't be where I am today without my own desire to work through personal issues, but also without the assistance of my supervisor and the school, which obviously required honesty and acknowledgement for my end. First off, I want to say that I think it takes a lot of strength and introspection to be able to not only recognize that you're hurting yourself, but to also seek help for it and to ask for help from your academic circle. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. It is definitely really hard to especially speak to somebody who is in a position of power and to tell them that you're struggling and mm-hmm. um, that you might need to take a step away and it could be really hard. Um, and it, the, the thing about this too is I am glad that this person has the relationship with their supervisor where this kind of communication and this kind of topic isn't something that's immediately kind of just well, you're not working hard, you can't, you know, thrive in grad school, grad school isn't for you, reconsider. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It is good that this person has this relationship, but that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. Um, I know in a lot of previous working relationships that I've had, I would not be able to have this conversation with someone who was inherently my boss. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's one of those things that you have to kind of, gauge and I've heard other stories from students where when they've disclosed these things they were forced on medical leaves and so they wow really yeah and so they couldn't defend on time and so their you know experiments couldn't be replicated on time and they would have to take extra semesters to finish their doctorates and so there's also this like you know weighing of options if I don't want to go on leave am I going to be forced to go on leave right I guess yeah from that perspective there is kind of an element of liability that the university is trying to avoid. 
right? Like we don't want people to be so burnt out that they do something drastic. Oh my God, then don't burn us out. Yeah. Right? Like it's, it's interesting you say that there's, there's an issue of liability. Like, yeah, for sure. Graduate students are burnt out, but like maybe pay us more instead of like having an extra yoga class. Yes. <laughs> you mean that yoga class isn't just going to fix everything? Oh my God. I went to yoga once and I've never been stressed since. Namaste, man. Namaste. Namaste. <laughs> um, yeah. And like similar to the previous story, this, this one really illustrates the difficulties and sort of work-life boundaries too. I think in a way, this person was very fortunate that their work and their life, they were able to reconcile that through the help of the department and their supervisor. But certainly, I don't think that this is necessarily normal. Um, I think there's still a very large mental health stigma. And like you said, it's not always explicit, like, oh, you're depressed, you're not, you don't belong here. But like you said, like forced medical leave, I think is kind of reflective of that sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And just listening to this story, I just I kept thinking about how uh, when it comes to drug and substance use, we generally tend to like really frown upon it when people stop being productive. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, this is my hot take. Um, this is a personal opinion, but I'm noticing a trend that when people do use substances and do use drugs, but still productive and stay very much traditionally successful, Nobody really cares um, as long as they keep earning a lot of money. I think Hollywood is the perfect example for this, but that's Mm -hmm. just blown out of proportion, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But the moment that people start slipping up in their productivity, even if it's not necessarily to the point where they're like letting their teams down or they're putting somebody else's life in danger, but their productivity just slips, that's when the hammer comes down. It's kind of like, how dare you not uphold the social contract of working yourself to the maximum? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I I would agree with you. Um, The story also, like, practically, though, raises another sort of important um, point about grad school, where it's important to recognize and to identify your support systems really quickly, Mm -hmm. right? Like, there's no doubt in my mind that every grad student at some point will be stressed more than they have been stressed before about something, you know, whether it's like we've mentioned grants or whether it's writing or, you know, their supervisor. It's just interpersonal relationships in grad school are just a whole other beast, right? Mm. And so at some point you're going to be stressed and it's good to know who your support systems are or what those are. I think I feel really bad for people doing their starting grad school right now during COVID and like not being able to even meet a lot of these people in person. Um, Do yourself a favor if this is applies to you, you know, find out your university's sort of resources for mental health or those Facebook groups that they have. The nice thing, if there is a nice thing about doing grad school in a pandemic, is that there's statistically, you know, hundreds of you at your university, if not thousands. So there's something to be said about a shared collective. Yeah, and research shows that sharing memes about how terrible the situation is actually makes you feel better. So share all the memes. On an entirely unrelated note, uh, I post fire memes on my Twitter. So go to at GS Confessional and follow that. Shameless. Shameless. Our final confession comes from a senior grad student reflecting on their many, many years of post-secondary and the toll it has taken on them. They write, After nine years of continuous post-secondary education, undergrad, master's, PhD, the burnout is real. Trying to keep my head over water is exhausting 
and there seems to be very little support for a degree that is viewed as quote-unquote not STEM enough. Being the only person in the lab in a different department as the rest of my lab is awfully lonely. I don't feel like I have the extra connection with my other lab members because they have their own department seminars and classes. Are the three extra letters after my name really worth all the emotional and psychological turmoil that grad school throws at me? Sad face emoticon. So, oh, by the way, so for those of you who might be too young, emoticons are like acoustic emojis, like the bicycle to a motorcycle, <laughs> a relic of a, of a more civilized age. I often forget until people put it that way, but we go through an insane amount of school. And for what? Like, like I think if you put it into grades, it's like, if you do everything the way you're supposed, quote unquote, supposed to, it's like grade 22 by the time you're done. Oh God. It's way too much school for anything. I know. And if you think about it too, it's like earning $1,000 for every year in school you're in. That's also how much you earn every time, every year of grad school. I'm laughing, but I'm crying on top of it. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I think there's some joke that like a PhD stands for poor, hungry, and depressed. <laughs> and we're not making fun of depression. Yeah, I feel like it's less about a joke about depression, more just about like the prevalence, like the sheer absurdity in the prevalence of depression amongst like a specific population, you know? But yeah, I, I feel this for sure. I resonate with this person's story. Like, we moved across the country during a pandemic um, for, you know, my postdoc. And it's been isolating in a lot of ways. Like, we, I mean, we live in a neighborhood where the mean age is like 65, 70. And they're lovely people. Oh, they're lovely just, people. They're like just surrogate grandparents, but they're all grandparents. Yeah, and it's like... It's not the same community that we had, you know, back when we were at our, yeah. our institution. And it's hard to make friends in your 30s. Everyone has already yeah, established man. social circles. Yeah, the only people we can find are weirdos who haven't had friends. So I'm other PhDs. Yeah, basically other grad students, <laughs> right? Again, that shared trauma. <laughs> but the way you deal with the stress mm -hmm. is by finding people in your community that you can lean on. And sometimes these people are hundreds of miles away from you and you just yeah, yeah. Zoom chat with them and that's how we've been maintaining most of our social lives. And sometimes it's new people that you find through some random hobby that you pick up during your doctorate. I will say this though, Zoom happy hour has become like my least favorite and most used oxymoron. <laughs> like I, if I, if I never have to go back to another Zoom meeting and everything just goes back to normal, I will be so happy. Okay, if somebody told me, like, two years ago, now it's two years ago, that Holy. I would be sitting in front of my laptop staring at my own face in the camera <laughs> and drinking wine in front of six other people who are doing the exact same thing, I'd be like, what happened and which asteroid finally hit the Earth? Like, it's absurd in a way when you it's describe so it like strange. that. I'm just watching myself get drunk. Who's a pretty bird? <laughs> Yeah, no. And I'm gonna have to. I joked around earlier. I was like, I'm gonna have to start bringing a mirror to lab me because <laughs> I'm not used to looking at anything other than myself. Okay, so question for you then: Is a PhD worth all the stress? I'm gonna have to get back to you on that once I actually finish it. Yeah, I'm like I'm done it, and I'm still like reflecting on that. Still on the fence. Kind of. I think it really does depend on the world post-COVID, the academic world post-COVID. Like, as it stands now, I 
am not exactly optimistic about job prospects in academia. I'm not exactly optimistic about sort of the state of where things are going. Like there's more and more sessional instructor positions that are opening up, but you know, that's gig economy. Also fun fact for those that don't know, at least where we are being paid to teach a course, a university level course at you a get, university, at a university, <laughs> I presume you're paid roughly the same amount as a TA for that course, which is like under $7,000. So just remember that the next time you're like taking a course from a sessional instructor, that they're not making any money off of the They're basically they busking. Like, <laughs> basically busking knowledge. Like at that point, you just bring your guitar case, you open it, and your undergrads can toss tunings in there. Just, just help a brother out. Psych 101 with just like a little bit of extra background music. Oh, man. I'd be down. I dig it. I'd put a $5 bill down. No, actually, no, we can't do that because then we're going to start hiring people that have to have like, must also play an instrument. <laughs> Like, a PhD is not enough. <laughs> <laughs> also, have to be great on guitar. And you gotta juggle. And you While gotta, like... also, like, know your Freud. Yeah. <laughs> it's multi, multi-talented. Too far. Multi-talented. Too far. <laughs> anyway, that's all the stories we have for today. This has been Grad School Confessional. I'm Dr. Yoasue. Special thanks again to my co-host, Anna. Anna, thank you again for joining me. I can't stress enough how much I appreciate your help. Excessive pun use is sometimes a cry for help. If you or your loved ones are are using excessive puns, please seek help. Who are you talking to? This has been a public service announcement from the Ministry of Public Health. Uh, anyway, if you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing us with your social network and follow us on Twitter at GSConfessional. And if you have a confession you'd like to make, please use the anonymous link in the description or email thegradschoolconfessional at gmail.com. Until next time... In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Principal Investigator, Amen.